welcome to Smarter. And I love the idea of Smarter because we can all get smarter together is kind of the idea of this sure. conversation. So um, I want to bring just people that are passionate about sharing their ideas, their strategies, their thoughts, especially about the workplace, about talent, and get their message out so other people can glean it and uh, get better. And so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, Jess, I'm excited to have it and yeah. uh, appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, you are welcome. So let's frame it, first of all. Let us know a little bit about who you are and uh, and what you're doing today from a vocation standpoint, because we're going to be talking a lot about a frictionless talent experience. So where are you planning to build that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, great to be on again. Uh, I have the uh, fortunate um, uh, honor of, of working for an incredible organization named Bon Secours Mercy Health. Uh, I'm the chief people officer over our core operations, so I lead uh, uh, big chunks of our HR team, talent acquisitions, strategic partnership, workforce planning, internal mobility. I've been with the organization for 11 years, and so I actually started in a completely different area of HR, and that's our reward space, so benefits and compensation. Um, and we thought we'd uh, uh, throw me a curveball in the middle of the pandemic to to run these really critical elements of our organization. So. We're located um, predominantly in the East and Midwest. We're the fifth largest Catholic system in the United States, about 55,000 associates here in the US, 5,000 in Ireland. Um, and uh, yeah, we are a, a pretty old school health system with new school ideas around innovation. Uh, so we've done a lot to invest and diversify um, our organization through innovation. So. Yeah. What's well, really interesting vocationally, you don't often see that path, right? Coming from compensation and moving into that talent world. Yeah. But man, it, I know you pretty well. It sure seems to be such a great fit for you. Um, you're incredibly aware uh, around the talent needs. And uh, so were you surprised by how quickly you acclimated to the talent side of the business? Yeah, just throw me into the deep end of the pool. It Seriously. was literally January of 21 when I uh, assumed this role. And um, you know, in the middle of the pandemic at that point, it was really starting to heat up in terms of the impact on our workforce. Um, but honestly, it, uh, we've talked about this purpose, a calling, uh, growth mindset, all of that really played into uh, how energized I am to do this for, for such a cool organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is a cool organization. Talk a little bit about kind of the that hundred plus year kind of foundation of the organization, because I think that's the old school piece of it that you want to pull straight forward for the next 150 years. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, our organization uh, talk about pioneering um, women, and that was uh, the women religious of the three congregations that continue to sponsor us, the Sisters of Mercy, Sisters of Bon Secours, Sisters of Humility of Mary. Um, 150 years ago, you would have bishops calling for support of um, uh, populations that didn't have education, didn't have health care. Uh, they were mainly Catholic, but not exclusively Catholic, because the mission of the women religious was to care for anybody and everybody, um, typically without being reimbursed. And so that legacy is so profound. It's so important. The tens of thousands of caregivers on the front line embrace that spirit. We as leaders embrace that spirit, and it's really hopefully going to drive us for the next 150 yeah. years. Well, and I had an opportunity to do a strategic day, planning day, with some of your talent leaders in Richmond. Yes. And I actually heard that 
in a profound way from each and every one of those professionals. And then the tenure in that group just blew my mind because it's a complicated business. Um, yes. It takes a lot of effort. There is real stakes on the line, right? This is not just a bottom line dollars and cents or improve, improve sales. These, these are people's lives. These are people's moms and dads and kids. And so I was really impressed. Like it's not just words. I felt it in your organization when I went into your cl- your clinic and uh, and met with your team that day. So that yeah. was that was pretty awesome. And so you've obviously already talked about you were thrown into the deep end of the end of the pool during the pandemic. The pandemic now is not over, right? When I talk to healthcare people, like yeah. Yeah, sure, yes, but it's really not over. But in some senses, some of the big pressure there is over, but it's not really over for healthcare because you're seeing sustained headwinds from a talent standpoint where, you know, are some of our latest stats, right? You're going to add 2.6 million jobs between now and 2025. So you're, you're going from one kind of pan, uh, you know, into another frying pan, right? right? The heat is still there. Yeah. So let the listener know, you know, from the person that's seeing it, feeling it, measuring it every day, kind of what that really means. Like talk talk about that struggle. Yeah, I mean, vacancies exploded in the middle of COVID. We had turnover uh, explode, supply of, of, of talent, particularly nursing, dwindling, folks leaving the workforce altogether, advancing their retirement, going on um, you know, travel agency contracts. So when you have low supply, you have incredible demand with the aging population with COVID, it doesn't make for a really good uh, recipe right there. So um, you know, we struggled with, with vacancies that were three times what they were in the pre-pandemic state. Right. And you're not alone there. That's healthcare it's pretty healthcare much across the bear. Across, uh, the, the, yes. The whole entire marketplace. That's right. Yeah. And we've uh, stabilized turnover. We've seen reductions in turnover the last uh, 12 months, which yeah. is outstanding. Yeah, that's a great start. But our vacancies are still in double-digit percentage land, which is not good. That's not comfortable. And what they say is if you have no margin, you don't have mission. So we're trying everything we can to, to get this right. Yeah, that's actually a profound statement. I'm a true believer that every mission worth doing can be sustained. And certainly yes. this is a, this is one worth doing. And what, I, what I'm kind of interested in, kind of digging in here is, there's a lot of organizations that could just be, let's, let's put our finger in the dam and just hold the water and hope something changes and you're just dealing with the day-to-day what, what, what's in front of your face. What I think is so great is that although you're dealing with the immediacy of what you need to do, that's not your long-term play. You have got a strategy that you're looking kind of down the road and around the corner saying, sure. we are going to be ready when the market shifts or when we have to answer this long kind of sustained talent need, that's right. we want to build a system. And that's really this frictionless talent experience you're talking about. Because that doesn't necessarily answer the question today, does it? No. H- how do you do that? I mean, how do you and your team every day say, we have to hit the ground running to keep our system in the right place today, and we're going to build for the future? That's yeah. a pretty big task. It is. Yeah. And I think it starts with really basic economic principles, supply and demand. Demand is going to be ever present for us. I mean, the aging population, as I mentioned before, the United States, 
We're not getting any younger. The baby boomer generation is going to drive a lot of that care. Um, and supply is simply not there. We do not have enough caregivers to care for that demand. So from us, from our perspective, what are we going to do to increase the pipeline? But when you increase the pipeline, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to capture or you know captivate right. that pipeline. Yep. So what are we going to do to captivate that pipeline? Um, a frictionless talent uh, experience from moment of sourcing to the onboarding and postboarding of those associates is a critical part of what we got to do. Yeah. So what are the big kind of grinding gears right now that you want to put some grease on and get frictionless? Yeah. I mean, from our perspective, uh, you know, the talent acquisition process in, in its entirety has historically been a very um, uh, individualized uh, tactical process. And so what can we do to um, engage with the recruiters to actually um, position them to be top of license. So take some of the mundane tasks tasks off their plate yep. uh, and allow that talent to be positioned in a way that that recruiter can tap into that talent really quickly. So yeah. technology is a, a huge part of it. Automation, artificial intelligence, responsibly applied is, is a big part of that as well. Yeah. yeah, no, the automation piece, I mean, it just levels up the senior people I've met, levels up their capability to do the high level work, meeting people and meeting their needs yeah. then it's the personalization as well you know you've talked a lot about you know um, how you're reframing looking at what talent you actually want to work uh, for bond secures mercy health yep. and how you're going to equip them that's another piece of the friction right is yeah. is oh we we now know we can personalize a message to different segments of the population so talk about how you're looking at um, at the population you're going after and maybe you know, saying, you know what, we're actually looking at that differently as well. Yeah, it, to us, it starts with an associate value proposition. If you're really clear about that, um, you make it a profound position for that that uh, candidate to understand, you know what, I'd probably be a good fit because that that's important to me. And we spent a lot of time really clarifying our associate value proposition using a ton of data, external, internal data. Um, and where we landed is our mission growth and flexibility. Those are the three areas of distinctiveness. So if we can build our uh, recruitment platform to just blare those out loud and position in a very personalized way for that uh, potential caregiver, I think that's a big draw to our organization. Yeah, I, I thought that I thought that triad was really great when we talked about it. We've hit on mission, right? We know yeah. why you exist. Talk about those other two a little bit more intimately and yep. kind of why you landed on those. Yeah. Because I think that is, it's almost the pivot on what frictionless means to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it starts with, with data. You know, you can't uh, drive good strategy off of anecdote or gut feeling. It's got to be really data driven. And so we worked with uh, our HR analytics team, uh, has an incredible uh, amount of resources from a Associate Insights, an analytics um, data visualization perspective. We have data engineers, data scientists on the team. We have incredible folks on that team. And what they did is they really focused on um, our 10 dimensions uh, of our associate experience. And so we measure our associate experience on a quarterly basis. It's a really rigorous process just to get the sense and feel for what our associates are telling us what they're thinking, what their hopes, dreams, desires are. And when we did all the analysis, we felt, okay, the areas of distinctiveness that are gonna really differentiate our organization 
mission. We've always done well, as you yep. mentioned, Jess. But gr- that growth and flexibility, people are telling us they want challenge, they want growth, they need, they desire flexibility. We have a lot of young caregivers right now. So um, flexible schedules, being able to swap shifts, being able to um, work smaller shifts than the traditional 12-hour shift, those are important. They're telling us, I may not want medical insurance. Can you give me something in return for not um, using that uh, on your platform? Well, could we offer them uh, maybe uh, tuition? Can we offer the student loan repayment? Can we offer them things like uh, uh, child care, elder care? Can we pay them more if they are um, not adopting our, our uh, medical plan? So those are the things that we think as a recruiter, whether an external uh, recruitment or even an internal recruitment, because we're doing a lot on internal mobility, if we can really cr- uh, be crystal clear about that value proposition, we think we're going to compel people to join uh, this cause. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the flexibility, though, um, it really strikes me that you're actually, through being flexible for your workforce, you're becoming more flexible and open and nimble inside your organization, yeah. which I always say, you know, the more flexible you are, the more you're close to life. Yeah. The more rigid you are, the most, more you're close to death. And I see this nimbleness coming into this system yeah. that you're saying, yeah, we're rethinking the, the game plan completely. That's right. So when you're talking about getting the sentiment from your teams and from your caregivers and the, and the staff of uh, Avon Secures Mercy Health, um, how often are you doing that? And how fast do you feel like you're able to react? Is it once a year? Is it, where are you at in that? Because I think our listeners will be really interested because engagement is something we always talk about. Satisfaction, we're always talking about. We're talking about retention. Those things all kind of map together. That's right. But I think people can miss the forest for the trees. We measure it, but we don't do anything. Yeah. So talk to me about, it sounds like you're you're trying to react real time yeah. with the, kind of this changing marketplace. That's right. Yeah, we, we kid we're agile, and that's not capital A agile. We're lowercase a uh, agile. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're measuring stuff literally every day. Uh, we utilize Qualtrics as our, as our platform for yeah. perception. Um, we're capturing onboarding. We're capturing exit. We're capturing engagement, um, uh, which we call, again, our associate experience on a monthly pulse basis. We do a full census review once a year in, in the spring. Um, and our team is bringing us insights constantly. We do focus grouping. We do uh, um, reputation analysis externally. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into just, uh, uh, you know, keeping our pulse on what's going on. Yeah, that actually like blows me away. I think the commitment to that because you're you're actually putting time, talent and treasure against right. that effort. Um, and you you talked about and you've shown me kind of the it's eight categories inside of your organization, the analytics piece and the talent acquisition and all of that. But analytics is really important to yes. your organization, but it's also something that's important to you as a leader. And I think leadership often defines, right, what we decide to prioritize. That's right. Um, so talk to me about, um, um, how much information do you need? Like, I would imagine you're a data guy that would almost look at as much data as possible, but you can get to a point where you get either over capacity or yep. you can't process everything or it slows you down. That's right. How do you balance that? Because I think you probably need all the things you just mentioned, but where do you know the beginning and end is so that your team can absorb it, understand it, 
the community can really go, oh, we understand why this is happening and we understand where it's coming from, uh, but you're not overloading the org. That's right. Yeah, I think that's uh, a really critical part of what our team does. And, you know, if our if our mission speaks to the heart, um, the data speaks to the head. And so um, our team is is inherently going to be very data driven. Again, we cannot make decisions uh, based on anecdote um, or uh, an end size of one or yeah. a focus group of one, yeah, which right. is oftentimes a, a joke that we use within our, our organization. So um, we're uh, constantly trying to figure out, um, I've used this for years, the what's up, the so what, and the now what. Yeah. Um, you know, helps that I started in benefits. I worked with a lot of actuaries, a lot of reporting. And so uh, my love of data is just, that's part of what we do. It's part of what our leadership um, is about. And so being able to distill an unimaginable amount of data into really uh, just solid points for us to consider, that is an art in many ways as much as a science. And yeah. our team has got it down. So bringing us insights constantly. I mean, we make decisions about um, what benefits we need to invest in. Um, in the middle of the pandemic, we invested a lot in those benefits because the market was so intense. Mm -hmm. And we didn't just say, ah, let's, let's throw out $100 million here. No, we did market research, market data for the comp team, all of the internal perception to say, hey, parental leave, we need more of that. So we quadrupled it um, in 2022. Yeah. So those are some examples that were all data-driven. You know, we'll probably have to make tough decisions though because cost of labor and how unsustainable it is, we'll probably say, okay, where do we need to recalibrate that investment uh, or reposition that investment elsewhere? So it's not gonna be done on a whim, it's gonna be done through a, a, a data and, and perception team. Yeah, no, I I think I think uh, that also helps you start to define where you see the friction and where you can release 100%. or kind of grease those gears again. Yeah. And in some of those traditional places, I think a lot of HR and uh, HR communities uh, struggle inside their group. Onboarding, I know, is an area that you're really working yes. on hard. And um, But I also think that one of the things that um, I think really is uh, indicative of your culture is you're willing to say something that doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? You're not just happy ears and you're just trying to make it look good. Yeah. You're willing to say, hey, this part of our process does not work. Yeah. We're willing to face that. And when we do that, it just speeds up the velocity of being able to correct it in a real authentic way. That's right. You find that I don't sense that there's a lot of resistance in your organization when you actually say, hey, you know what? We got a little dirt on our face here and we got to clean it off. Yeah. Yeah. I think our onboarding is a good example. And that is a huge challenge. Heavily regulated as an industry. So you, you got to do a lot around occupational health and fit testing and, you know, drug testing and licensure. Um, the INT uh, or the IT provisioning is so critically important but so critically challenging because of HIPAA and other security concerns that we have for patient confidentiality. So when you throw sourcing, recruitment, occupational health, onboarding team, um, our IT team for provisioning, and then you know clinical education on day one or day two, a lot of different people involved with that, yeah. a lot of uh, opportunity for um, a pretty 
crappy experience, quite frankly, uh, but we are uh, really focused on making that right. So we've done some things foundationally within our functions. We've moved the onboarding team into our talent acquisition team. We're working closely with our OCHEL team, our IT teams. We're trying to get it better. We're on our way. We, we still have a little bit uh, of a ways to go, though. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's great. And I think uh, participation, right, that actually brings commitment. And yeah. so getting everybody involved and saying you can be a part of this and it's your plan, too, that's right. I think can be so important. That's right. So I love, so we've kind of encapsulated a little bit of your leadership perspective, um, the importance of data and accurate data, not too much, but just mm-hmm. enough, right? Yep. And then being able to actually express that in a way that it makes sense to the people that you're trying to and you're looking to serve. That's right. Ultimately hire and then serve. That's right. Um, so the frictionless talent experience then, you're on a journey right now. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about is maybe a little bit more leadership oriented again is how, I know you're determined, but how determined are you to make this a complete frictionless talent experience like maybe you know let's say the pressure for hiring diminishes much faster than we thought Mm -hmm. do you still think this is the right thing to do do you still have that vision around people do you still keep pushing to make it a great experience yeah a hundred percent i mean i from my perspective we need to represent our our mission in a really uh, profound way. And so, um, you know, if the economy slows down, if the labor market starts, starts to soften, I still think, you know, the development of, of, of really good talent through skills and capabilities, um, that's not only good for the associate, it's good for our, our mission um, around what we call realized equality. So are we truly representing the diversity of the communities that we're serving? Right now, we have a, a little bit of a ways to go to do that. But uh, to be able to tap into talent, um, give them an opportunity for really high-paying jobs. I mean, nurses these days are making upwards of 100000 um, right out of the gate. Uh, that's a really powerful mission moment for our organization. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we will be motivated regardless of yeah. where the economy is. And I get that sense, and I think it's, it's so important when organizations determine they're going to just improve, period. Yeah. Because you know that it's about... Eight, every 18 to 24 months, you know, we're hit with something that we didn't foresee. Yeah. But to be able to say we were kind of ready for it because we kind of prepared and battened down the hatches, understood yep. who we were, strengthened our interior, right, and yep. with our people, that they just didn't even want to look anywhere else. And I see okay. that as your vision yeah. there as well, is that how do we create a profound experience that's mission-oriented, yep. that really retains people because they choose to stay, right? That's right? That extra discretionary effort, you ask them to go the extra mile, they do it because it's their mile to give. That's right. That's the power of building, I think, a, a, a psychological contract. And I think the frictionless talent experience is really that. Yeah. You're building a psychological contract with the people that you're serving, which are the employees yep. that are ultimately serving your patients. That's right. Um, maybe talk a little bit about kind of, you know, that as an effort around your brand as well, because you've been doing a lot of work on that, because yeah. that's part of that friction. It is. If people understand who you are and what you offer, that's right. um, it can be lost. They're so incredibly intertwined. And, um, you know, the Bon Secours, uh, brand and the Mercy Health brand in the markets that we serve. Uh, really powerful. We're either the largest or second largest employer 
in the communities that we serve. And so uh, we feel like in many ways, the talent acquisition team, the HR team is representing the broader patient brand and experience for our ministry. And so uh, it's a heavy responsibility. And yeah. so we got a lot of work to do um, uh, to get it to a point where people look at us reputationally in the same way that they might look at a Mayo Clinic or a Johns Hopkins. Um, but we desire to have an employee, an associate brand, an associate value proposition that's as profound, um, as opportunistic as that, um, both externally and internally, because this notion of frictionless, um, you know, it starts as much with your internal associates and the internal candidates uh, and what they can do to grow in their careers as it would be um, hiring a new grad nurse or an experienced nurse right. or a respiratory tech yep. in our communities. Yeah, that's great. So as we wind this down, um, all, all good, smarter podcasts must end. Um, as we wind this down, um, I just want to actually, as a as just a citizen or out of a community, I want to thank you for the leadership that you're 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 taking with Bon Secures Mercy Health inside of healthcare, uh, because it is a very stressed uh, industry right now for a lot of legitimate reasons. And to know that we have people like you at the helm, I think that's really I think will give people confidence. So you and your team, thank you. Just yeah. I, I just think it's worth saying. Uh, but I want to give you the last word. You know, again, we can all get smarter together. So from that vantage point, uh, Alan, what what do you what do you what are you thinking, and what message do you want to deliver to the people that are listening? Yeah, I, you know, I think it is around the team, and I did want to throw before you uh, stole the thunder there, Jess. But the team is so critical on this, yeah. and so. Uh, I think uh, I'm a pretty humble servant to my team. I think you um, um, are able to, as a leader, define the challenge and bring clarity uh, to the solution for it. But the team is the one that's going to uh, actually execute against that. And so um, our entire HR team, our talent acquisition team, but probably more powerfully, our frontline operators, our nurse leaders, our people managers, our frontline staff, um, that's what we wake up every day yeah. uh, yearning, you know, that purpose that you mentioned before. Yep. I literally think about that nurse who's just coming off that 12-hour shift and just, you know, probably did some really difficult things physically and mentally in that 12-hour period. And to me, that's what drives me every single moment. So, it's a great motivator. Yeah. Alan, thank you so much Thanks, for joining Jess, us yeah. on Smarter. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're I feel smarter now, too. Yo, good. Well, that's good, too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again. Awesome. Hey, thanks everyone for joining me at Smarter today. You know, it's all about leaders talking to leaders. And with Alan and Bond Secures Mercy Health, that was just a really healthy conversation, pun intended. Um, I was actually thinking about a Gandhi quote uh, when I was thinking about Bond Secures Mercy Health and what they do as the fifth largest Catholic uh, hospital healthcare facility in the United States. And the quote is, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And I certainly feel like that's exactly what's happening at Bond Secures Mercy Health. And I wanted to touch on a few, I think, critical points from the conversation I had with Alan today. The first big takeaway is old school groups, whether it's healthcare systems or any other organization, but old school sometimes has to think new school to keep relevant in today's marketplace. And I certainly felt that with Alan and the vision they have around a frictionless talent experience. I thought that was huge today, really important. And so uh, this idea of uh, having new ideas, uh, taking on some of the old thoughts 
and restructuring them is always important, especially we're in a constant and continuous state of change in the talent economy today. So whether it's their people on the front lines, like the doctors and nurses embracing that spirit with the people they serve, I know that the HR leaders and talent leaders at Bond Secures Mercy Health is doing the same thing. And they're going to actually help take Bond Secures into the next century and beyond providing the care that they do. The second lesson I thought was really particularly insightful from Alan is that it's a must have to for kind of almost any HR leader is a frictionless talent experience comes from the economic principle of supply and demand. So there's a demand for constant uh, talent at Bond Secures Mercy Health, like at most organizations today, it's never ending. So you have to make sure that you're creating experiences for the consumer candidate that we have today. So making sure that you're challenging how you're doing things is really important and sourcing, onboarding, post onboarding, making sure there's good succession planning and internal talent mobility inside your organization and that it's AI driven and that your candidates or your employees can actually self-select and plan their path with you is really important. And what I'm hearing from Alan and the team is that they are looking for any barrier to break it down, to simplify and to clear a path for every single person that works at Bond Secures Mercy Health to know that they have a future there. And then finally, the final point is if you're on a mission as a company, that's great because that's something that's heartfelt and heart led. But data also speaks to the head. And so we want to make sure that the heart and the head inside of the world of talent is being addressed. So what I heard from Alan today is this idea of data is driving their decisions. You need to capture, measure, and quantify what you do. Be data-driven. Make data-based decisions, and you will have success. I sure hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I know I certainly learned a lot. And a special thanks to Alan and the Bond Secures Mercy Health team for making all of this new vision actually come to life. This is Jess Umquist. Thanks for tuning in to Smarter. We'll see you next time.